Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 98 with my friend, Jenna Malian. I was so excited to sit down with Jenna. Uh, this was the first time we saw each other while talking. We had a very long verbal relationship via Clubhouse uh, that we talked about there in the beginning, but uh, really crazy. It was great seeing her, and I was very excited I got to do this. So I'll uh, talk about that some more at the end, but until then... I don't want to hold you guys. I want to give you this awesome interview with my friend, Jenna. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? It's so funny seeing you and talking to you. Because this is just... Why? Because we've never done this. Like, so... Uh, I'll, uh, well, let, let me jump in with that because I usually start out with how I know people, right? And I know you yeah. from, we met on Clubhouse in the sobriety world and yeah. then uh, developed a, a friendship through there and we ran rooms. If you guys aren't on Clubhouse listening to this, you don't know what I'm talking about, but that's okay. But we would we had dedicated daily time together um, and then we would, would talk outside of the app too and all of our conversations were either text or audio. This is like the first time because you live up in Canada. And uh, so this is, yeah, this is a, a very exciting <laughs> development. Yeah, it's crazy to think how long we actually did that room. Like we kept it going for good. Like what? Six, eight months? I'll give you six. Yeah. Together? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> every day yeah it's crazy um yeah because i started school in september and the further i progressed in that semester i was like i gotta stop doing this i tried i tried to keep doing it at the at first and it just wasn't happening yeah even when i started like working on like a daycare i couldn't keep it up like it was just too much to always be by your phone at a certain hour like your days are so unpredictable that well, and it's but one it was thing, good while it lasted. Yeah. And it's one thing if you're like a participant and listening, but if you're running that shit, like you can't just like, you know, set it down and do dishes. <laughs> so it's, right. it's a whole, whole other thing. And you know, the further I've been removed from it, the more I start thinking, I'm like, what is everybody doing all day? <laughs> like, how come, how come so many people were available to sit there at 11 a.m. on a weekday? five days yeah no you're right (laughs) um but yeah i I mean i don't know could that's that's uh that's not a loaded question i think a lot yeah no i think it's yeah i guess listening in while you're at work or whatever yeah well yeah so that's that's how i know you and um Mm -hmm. in those discussions you know it's it's funny as as intimate a conversations one can have in a in a community of sobriety people um I don't know if I know much about you outside of like a few bullet points, you know, um, mm-hmm. like I, uh, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure you have a brother. I don't know if you have any other siblings. I, I know your family has some sort of like road crew company. Um, and, uh, then obviously you're up in Canada, uh, where, so let's start there. Are you, where are you born? Like, are you familiar with any part of Canada? Um, I mean, I know where Ontario is because I'm in the Detroit area. <laughs> but Okay, yeah. So, yeah, like, we're not that far, are we? Yeah. 
No, I, probably not. Um, I mean, you tell me. Do you so, know? like, I don't know if you've ever heard of Ottawa or Montreal. Like, have you heard of those places? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, so like, I'm in between those two, so it's kind of nice. Okay, it's a small city, but like, you have the option to travel an hour, but like either way, and like being in a city, so that's nice. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm a. I don't know. I feel like I, I might know more than the average, like ignorant American about Canada. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, it's probably because I live where I live, like in Southeastern Michigan, like there's a long history of, of a relationship with Canada and, and Canadians coming here for work. And, um, yeah. so you just like get to know areas there. Like I have friends whose family's cabins are in Canada, even though none of them are Canadian. Like that's just yeah. yeah um because it's so i do have i do have other siblings siblings well where are you bro- three siblings. i have three brothers yeah three older brothers where are you on the sibling um, i'm the youngest oh the baby i'm the baby yeah well, the princess <laughs> right <laughs> but um yeah what's the age difference there between I'm- all the brothers Oh God, my oldest brother's 41. He's going to be 41. So it's like 41, 39. Then I'm 33 and Robin would be 35, turning 35. Okay. So my brother Robin and I were only 18 months apart. Okay. So you guys, I imagine, were mm-hmm. the closest growing up? Yeah, we were. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. And what's we what's, actually don't talk right now, but <laughs> we might get into that. Got uh, a little family, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm very familiar. Um, what's life like growing up in the house, especially being the the baby of the family? Like, what what were you born into? Honestly, <laughs> it was really good. My parents actually separated when I was born. Oh wow! So I think I was like, yeah, I was about one. So like we grew up mostly with my mom. Um, my dad, like he, he, like you said, don't you have a road crew? (laughs) But yeah, my dad's been in business for over 45 years. Um, a very, you know, good, good company. Um, but yeah, he wasn't really part of my life growing up. Okay. Did he live far away or was it just not in the cards? No, 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 no. He's local. He's local. It was just like, I hate to say this, um, because I know my mom's going to be listening. <laughs> well, I mean, but there was just a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure when we were growing up. You know what I mean? When you're a kid and your parents get separated, it's like you don't want to hurt your mom's feelings. And it's like it's you can't ask. But, no, my dad was very much like just, you know, all about business, not so much time for kids. If we did see him, it was very short, brief, maybe spend a couple weekends there, here and there. But it was nothing. Okay. Yeah, that I I know that I know that narrative very well because it's uh I remember there's a famous story in my family and you know those stories that are shared with you that you're like now I don't know if that's my memory or just something you guys have told me four billion times. Oh, definitely. Um, <laughs> but where on both sides, one I was crying and didn't want to go see my dad because I was worried I wouldn't know what he looked like because <laughs> I was a kid and you know like a month when you're a kid is oh, yeah. forever and I hadn't seen him in like a year I think but. And then uh, for my mom, when I was at my, or for my dad, to hurt my dad, (laughs) when I was visiting him, I would just like cry and be like, oh, I want to see mom. I want to go home. 
and oh like, same yeah like i would cry to go home as <laughs> but like it just there's a level of empathy i factor in there now as an adult and i like you know my dad was a chronic alcoholic died when he was 62 and uh from that and i just like can't imagine how hurtful that would be <laughs> to be like i have my kids here and all they want to do is leave and go <laughs> and i just uh yeah so, oh definitely but like i think i think it comes from like you know like as children like you have to feel safe so it's like from like my perspective like i don't know what it was but like i used to do the same like cry when i would go there oh, yeah. but like there was something that like didn't I don't feel, feel bad about it i just like no but i get like from his perspective yeah, yeah he's yeah. like I just factor in like a little more empathy the older I get. And I'm sure if I ever have kids, I'll, <laughs> I'll have that even more so. But um, yeah, enough about me. Uh, so shows that you have a heart, Justin. <laughs> aw, aw. Uh, mm -hmm. So growing up, you're with your older brothers, your mom. Um, is your mom working at the time that I'm guessing? Oh, yeah, my mom. So um she never so like she used to just like do jobs around like she was always home you know what I mean she we were definitely her priority but um like she would do like landscaping and stuff like that around like our neighborhood yeah um and like back in the day you were allowed to supply teach just with your grade 13 so she was doing a lot of that and then that changed but what's cool is my mom actually went back to university um while we were in university and she graduated and got her teacher's college like she's so now she's officially a teacher okay. and she's actually 69 and still teaching grade one good for her <laughs> as long yeah. as she's a pleasant person i had a i had a nightmare of like a elementary school teacher when i was younger <laughs> i'm not gonna no, put her in a box mom put, yeah <laughs> uh, yeah she puts so much heart into it i love it so you said she she was home a lot because um, initially when you're like four brothers or three brothers uh four brothers three, three brothers yeah, yeah. Um, three and the oldest is quite a bit older than you so i i just uh you know i have an, I have an older brother that's three and a half years older than me and so he was just like he watched me a lot and he was not a responsible uh babysitter i guess so i you know there was always something going on and i was just thinking like well god by the time you are old enough to have memories like four or five your oldest brother's uh in the the throes of what like 14 15 years old yeah is... <laughs> it's funny though because my oldest brother chris he's very responsible okay and like still today he's like a dad to me like he will check up on my love life like you that's know what funny. i mean he's always yeah it's good well, i guess that's what i didn't take into play when you mentioned that but yeah being the oldest after your parents separated he probably like forced into that role in some way but um yeah. so what well, i guess do they do your older brothers leave the house after high school so actually one pretty dramatic thing that happened in our childhood um when my mom decided when my brother my two oldest brothers were about 15 or 16 she decided that they could no longer live like in the one dwelling just because she felt like she couldn't control them anymore yeah so they went to live with my dad. Oh, okay. So it kind of broke up our home. Yeah. So you're like. It changed things forever. 
Yeah, you're five or six Definitely. at that point. What does that What does that feel like as a as a kid? I still remember like how much we cried that day. Yeah. Um, but I think it's we just you know like when it came down to it, there was no option. Like they were already gone, packed up, and picked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you definitely don't. But yeah. <laughs> Yes. And I think when you really stop and take a look at your childhood, like there's so many things you can unpack. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so mm-hmm. then you're just growing up with you and your older brother, who's like right there with you 18 months. Mm-hmm. What's what's childhood like then in the house? Because I mean, you're, you're pretty young then. So the re- remainder of your childhood, you yeah, kind of got yeah. the run of the place with your brother. <laughs> yeah no it was still like we still made do like we had a really pretty well like normal life um my brother and i were honest <laughs> i know i know because people say like i look back and yeah there's nothing normal about it um but we were best friends like yeah. my brother robin and i were really best friends uh and it happened like we don't talk anymore but that, again, like, that had to do with, like, adulthood issues. Like, yeah. we all work together at my father's business, which working with family is very difficult. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I it would never want to do that. <laughs> right? I worked in the right? same restaurant as my brother for, like, six months, and it was uh, the worst because I was just mm-hmm. Adam's little brother. Um <laughs> Yeah, I like to consider it like a bad marriage because like you guys don't ever talk about stuff and like you just keep showing up the next day and it's like everything's better. It's like it's a new day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You you fit in great in my family. Um, (laughs) uh, We just wouldn't talk about it. Um, So tell me tell me about growing up like outside of there your social life school uh i mean what's what's life like what are you getting up to when you're social life to be honest um my teens so obviously when i went to high school i chose to go to a different high school than my oldest like than my brother because i wanted you know to do my own thing uh i think growing up and going to high school as a female there's like there's a lot of catty stuff that goes on in high school uh, so like I did have girlfriends definitely uh, I wouldn't consider it friends that you could be like super close with because these were the type of people that when you would hang out with them they were you know talking and I mean we're young right I, I wasn't any better than them but it's just there was not there was no trust uh, but you know but back in the day when you're in high school like the fun things to do is was just like honestly drinking like back in the day like that's on weekends like i can't think of one weekend during high school when we weren't like deciding (laughs) even when we were really young you know like what alcohol we were stealing where we were getting at who's gonna deliver you know all these things Uh, lots of good memories though for sure yeah (laughs) well how old were you when you first started drinking like when you first had your when you first got oh, drunk i guess it's <laughs> first got drunk it was actually my mom was she didn't know that we were all drinking but i had all my girlfriends sleep over at my house and we were young we we're probably like 15 and my one friend got really sick so sick that we had to call her parents 
And after that happened, her parents had told her that she shouldn't hang out with me because I come from a broken home. Oh, and wonderful. that's right. That's, <laughs> that's what people do from a broken home. But yeah, probably 15. Okay. You're, you're hanging out. You're starting to learn what partying is. <laughs> Uh, how are you doing in I, school? Also, I guess I guess I should say I always had a boyfriend too. Okay. Like while I was in high school, yeah. Like I was just always in a serious relationship. Like I dated some guy throughout my whole high school years, and then once I was done high school, we had broken up around prom, and I had a boyfriend like a month later. Yeah. Um, I was school. I just I never really I did okay like 70s you know in, in high school but i didn't apply myself yeah you know when i went to university and actually applied myself i was doing a lot better well, that's good was uh university on the radar the whole time like that was the expectation was you graduate and then go to university definitely not i had okay. a lot of pressure on my mom's and uh like she didn't want me to take a year off after high school which i really wanted to do so I just, at first I really thought I wanted to teach. So I started like a college program that was supposed to transfer actually to Potsdam, New York. There is a, like a teacher's college there. Okay. And I did my first year in college and then I changed my mind. And then I just decided to go do my BA in psychology. Yeah. <laughs> um so, and then once I got my BA in psychology, I was like, you can't really get that great of a job with BA in psychology. Like I was working for my parents and making just as much, you know? Yeah. So I was like, hmm. So then I went back and did my master's. And then I decided I didn't want to work in psychology. <laughs> so before, before we get to all that, because I, I have a lot of questions about that, um, especially as someone that's about to enter a... Uh, a no, for sure. Program. Um, I'm happy to discuss it and talk about it. But what? Tell me about. Uh, I'm always curious about this with people. Where you go to college, right? You're away from home for the first time. You're on your own. The only person you're really answering to is yourself. There's like a new level of responsibility for most people you haven't had to deal with um, up until that point. So what? What is? What does the like beginning of college look like in that way? It looks lonely. Yeah. Like I was living in res. Um, I had a really good friend, but like, see, the thing is, is when I went to Ottawa, I didn't have a fake, like, this is sad, but you needed a fake ID to get into bars and I didn't have one. And I wasn't of age yet because I was young. I went away to school when I was still 17 because my birthday was in November. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was younger. So people, because like you could still go to Gatineau, which was across the border in Quebec, but you still had to be 18. So I couldn't get in. So sadly, the girls that I did know from Cornwall, like that were at Ottawa U, pretty well ditched me. So I did have a boyfriend at the time, like that I had met like summer of high school. And he actually ended up moving to Ottawa. We actually ended up dating for 10 years. Wow. Okay. So this is the the oh, yeah. is this the guy you start dating after prom breakup? After yeah. So you're in a long term relationship through all of high school with one person, and then you jump into another relationship mm-hmm. with someone for ten years. Yeah. All right. Doesn't that sound lovely, <laughs> Justin? Um, 
Doesn't that sound like the greatest decision I've ever made? I mean, uh, I I got no judgment on that because I've I've talked to people that are married to their like junior high mm-hmm. sweethearts, which is uh, it blows my mind. And I've been delicate about asking, but I have not avoided asking like, what's that like sexually? Because at some point, like, does that uh, you know get boring? Do you mm-hmm. get curious? Uh, so you're you're at college, you're lonely. But you have, so did your boyfriend move out there, like, right when you started college? So, like, with you? Mm-hmm. Basically, well, like, he, we weren't living. Like, I was living in res, but, yes. Like, I feel like he got a job in Ottawa. Yeah. Because I was going to school in Ottawa. So he wasn't going to school at the time? No. Okay. No. Because, um, well, I'm just curious, uh, you described it as lonely because your friends kind of ditched you, which... Uh, that sucks, but uh, I did... think I, I think I describe a really like big, huge period. Like I don't know. I feel like that period of my life came with a lot of confusion. Yeah, which also came with a feeling of like I don't know. Like you're always trying to like find. You don't really know who you are. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, that's 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 being twenties. <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> so. Do you recall what the catalyst was that had you change from teaching to psychology? Was there a specific event or feeling or curiosity that did that? Yes. So when I was doing my undergrad, because my mom was doing supply teaching, she actually had got me a position to do some tutoring in grade schools. So once I would finish my studies in April, I would work at the schools from April till they were out for the summer and I would tutor like grade school students and to be honest with you I feel like I never had and I say this like kindly I just I never really had a hard time to learn things and when I was tutoring students I had a difficulty explaining it to you know what I mean like it was like you have to explain it so many ways. And then even after all those ways, a kid could look at you yeah. and be like, I don't get it. Yeah. I... And I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, guess what? I have no other way to yeah. explain it to you. So yeah, I think my, uh, my go-to with a lot of my friends, kids would be like, Oh, you just have to put this over there. And then you put that there and then I'd be like, I don't understand. I mean, like, I don't know what to tell you, buddy. <laughs> That's, I did what I could. Yeah. Uh, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah, just it left something from that experience. I just I didn't want to do any teaching after, yeah. So, what well, you decide you don't want to teach, what's what makes you decide on psychology instead? Because that's a that's out of left field, it feels like. Mm-hmm. I still, though, when I talk about my studies, I still refer to my psychology as like the therapy I needed, yeah. Um, but really, it was just like to uh, better understand human behavior. Like yeah. I was at a point in my life, like oh my god. Uh, but that was really uh, what I was interested in—just learning more about human behavior. Yeah, and I, I, I asked that from. I guess that question is a little loaded because um, going into that program myself, and like I've been in a number of classes, whether they be uh, about counseling or psychology or substance abuse, whatever that is. Um, there's a majority of people, so we'll say over half, <laughs> that 
you know, if you go around the room and everyone's introducing themselves and saying like why they're in the class, over half the people in all of those classes where we do that always have, and I'm one of them, that's just like, oh, uh, I dealt with this, this, and this, and like that's where the curiosity came from is trying to like fix yourself in some way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm wondering if that is what you are talking about or if it was you were interested more in other people's behaviors. I would have to disagree with that because I really think, and like this is getting us far ahead. I really think I did it backwards. Okay. Like I really think that I did so much reading about psychology and in the sense that I never really took the time to apply it to my life or in the sense that I, I really thought I was doing okay in life, but I, I really wasn't feeling what I had to feel. Yeah. So I do feel like, and it's really funny because when I started my placement and I was in training, my supervisor, she told me this one day and I laughed and I honestly, I didn't believe it. I laughed. She's like, every client you are going to see is going to have trauma. And I was like, that's impossible. (laughs) And honest to God, it that experience opened myself up to my own trauma. And I actually remember as like a minute where I had cried in, and like, you don't want to really do that as a therapist, right? Cry with one of your clients. Like we try so hard and I had honestly cried with a client and I really do think that's like the biggest, one of the biggest like epiphanies I've ever had where it's like, I really needed to do the work myself before I could be of any assistance. And you could read so many books. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not about reading the books. It's it's the lived experience. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I wish everybody took that <laughs> approach. Um <laughs> You guys know I'm a fierce advocate for therapy, and let's face it, this whole show wouldn't exist without the leaps and bounds that I've been able to make in therapy. That is why I am so proud to have BetterHelp sponsor this show. Ask yourself, is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I know I've spent some time in therapy learning to rein in my need for external validation. Working on it. (laughs) BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Maybe even me one day. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 15,000-plus therapist network, which may not be locally available in many areas, and it's available for clients worldwide. There is therapy shortages across this country, and this is like a great option. So when you sign up, you can start communicating within 48 hours. And then are you getting those random light bulb moments like I do? You're laying in bed. You're thinking, oh, I got to I gotta tell my therapist that. With BetterHelp, you can log into your account anytime, send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule your weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room and with traditional therapy. And guys, that waiting room awkwardness is real. <laughs> uh, But BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. No more weird therapist breakups if you and your therapist aren't a match. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available. 
It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. I want to underline too, financial aid is available. I went on there myself. Uh, you know, you type in your income, what you can afford, um, and they, they'll, they'll work with you. It's really fantastic. And BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life. So do I. I want you to start living a happier life today. So visit betterhelp.com slash friend request. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for friend request listeners, that's you, get 10% off your first month of therapy when you visit betterhelp.com slash friend request. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash friend request. Remember, when you support my sponsors, you support my show, and it truly means the world. So the, I, I'm curious then, looking back now with the perspective you have, is that whole like first chunk of your 20s, like, is that all somewhat of denial, like, of the stuff you hadn't dealt with? Yeah, I feel like I was, because I was always like, so I dated that guy from what, 16 to 26. And I feel that, you know what I mean? You're in a relationship. Yeah. You're not really ever thinking of yourself. And now looking back, I wasn't making connections at school because, because I was so wrapped up in my relationship. And at the end of the day, when you think of that relationship, it's, it it was toxic. You know, I know we're young, but it's still, it was very toxic. And I mean, I don't regret, I don't regret it because you just can't regret things like that. But I do sometimes wonder what my life would look like if I wouldn't have yeah. spent 10 years of my life yeah. with someone at that age. Can I ask you about that relationship or is that off, off limits? Oh yeah, like, uh, yeah, no. Um, so yeah, we just like met, we met and yeah, I just feel like it just, it was comfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just, it was really like a friend, like we did absolutely everything together. I actually ended up catch, catching him cheating on me like online. Oh, bummer. And after this, right? Right. So after this happened, I stayed with him for about a year because I really thought like maybe, but it just, it really changed everything for me. Yeah. So this was very late in the relationship. Very late, you know? <laughs> um, well, well, jumping back, because I'm curious how, how the boyfriend might fit into the different times in your life. I mean... What what does the relationship look like during those transition points? Changing your major, graduate school. Um, so, like, I was single for most of that. Oh, okay. So, uh, well, then. So, I when guess, I picked my major, yeah. Yeah. No. Go ahead. <laughs> like, so I date, like, so my 10-year relationship, it was, like, from 16 to 26 so like that's like my university yeah so when i did my master's i waited i graduated in what i don't even remember i actually went back to school to do my master's when we broke up 
Oh, okay. That was like one of the commitments I made. Like it was a way to keep myself busy. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, and you, you hinted to this when you're talking about, you know, crying with a client and what the, what your supervisor said. Um, but that's, I mean, that's a, that's a big decision, right? Like, cause there's, you put a lot of time commitment into, into that, uh, career, like between your yeah. undergrad, your grad, and then all the licensure components. I don't know what it looks like in Canada, but <laughs> to. Yes. So like I was basically just starting the licensing, like just starting to work on my hours. Okay. So like in Ontario, that's like another thing. You need a whack load of hours. 3000 here. <laughs> Yeah, to be qualified, and um, I didn't really, my supervisor and I didn't vibe. Um, I do know it's a lot of money. I do know, like, all those things. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, I really don't see it as a waste. No, I wasn't trying to imply that either. I think Because I do see it as, like, a way to, I don't know, it's taught me so much about living. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I wish everybody had a better understanding of like their own mental capacity and how that how that mm-hmm. works. Because um, then I wouldn't. Then maybe then maybe I'd have better relationships with my family. Um, <laughs> just tie that yeah. all together. So past that, uh, I mean, I don't I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to like any specific points throughout your time at university or that relationship that, that stick out as potential, like turning not points. really like we, when I, we broke up, we had like a owned a house, but no, everything was good. And then like when we broke up, I did a lot of traveling. I started, I had a really good friend, um, Rebecca, we did a lot of trips together. So we had went to like Belize, we went to Puerto Rico. Nice. Um, yeah, we did the coast in California, like from California to LA and yeah, just, you know, I feel like it's stuff I needed to do. Yeah. What, um, what are you doing for work throughout all this? I was working for my family's business. So for my dad. Gotcha. So really my whole life I've worked there since I'm pretty well 16 ish. Yeah. I had like other jobs here. I might've been a little older actually, because I was a waitress for a bit. Yeah, I've been working there. I'm 33. I'm getting old. I've been working there for a long time. But uh, so, um, is your is your relationship with your dad feel more like he's your boss than he's your father? My dad's relationship. I honestly don't even. I don't really know how to explain it. So growing up, like he was the type of person that would always tell us like, oh yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. And he was never, you know? Um, So when we, like when I was around 16, I think I remember I had regifted because like I would still see him at like Christmas and stuff. I remember I had regifted like a little bottle of whiskey. He had called me the next day and he told me he wanted me to go over there and he was so rattled about that I regifted because as if I would regift his fa- like your father or something. So after that we didn't not talk for years. But I just got to a point where it's like 
if we're always waiting for the apology for what someone did, like, to be honest with you, I don't think I would ever get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I have my mom in one ear who's like, oh, your dad, this, your dad, you know, and I know, I know all these things, but at the end of the day, he's still my dad. Yeah. Yeah. But as as of now, our relationship, like, very minimal. I, he's like, I've been living in this house for eight years. He's never came to visit. Yeah. Like, if I if I want to see him, I have to go see him. <laughs> you I, know? I'm curious about the re-gifted thing. I don't know if I understood that as much. So you got a little so bottle of whiskey? So I got a little bottle of whiskey for Christmas. At 16? Brand new one. <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't know. It was, I think it was from like my boyfriend's parents oh. or something. I like that. So I, I like just... that adults are giving you alcohol when you're underage. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Supporting the habit. Okay. And then you. So yeah, I had given it to my dad and that upset him because I did not go out to purchase it myself. Got it. And that was a big and enough he offense knew to, yeah. That he did not want to talk to me again. Okay. And he wanted my cell phone. He wanted everything. Got it. It's yeah. I was hung up on on the on the whiskey part of that. I was like, "Who's gifting you whiskey as a as a teen?" Um, but Don't there you worry go. About it, Don't Justin. worry about it. <laughs> if I say the names, they kill me. Um, so I, I'm wondering then with with that, looking back on those like two relationships that were very committed, <laughs> was one of the attracting factors there the their willingness to commit hmm. i feel like when it comes to relationships um like if i'm gonna be honest this is like one thing i've really been focusing on lately because i feel like everyone i've ever dated is the same man just in a different body it's usually how it works Do you know yeah. what i mean <laughs> So for me, I usually choose people who are quite toxic, um, self-involved, and unavailable. And I don't know, like I'm still trying to figure out. Um, So I actually started doing, like I've been doing ACA and I want to figure it out because, like, it's getting to the point where it's, like, it's sickening. Like, this pattern is so real yeah. that I have to be contributing, you know? Yeah. So, but I was actually reading and they talk about how, you know, we're addicted to that as people who come from a dysfunctional family. Like, the internal highs from a type of relationship it's like, like, it's like an addiction, like a drug addiction. Yeah. So like we're addicted to those highs and lows of a relationship and that's what we're attracted to. And it doesn't even make sense (laughs) because there's nothing, there's nothing good about it. Yeah. And here I am. Yeah. There's a (laughs) level of, of drama that you hate in the moment, but like for some reason seek out. (laughs) Keep, keeps you coming back. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, I, I guess that's a good good transition from uh, school and your relationships into um, drinking and sobriety. And what does what does that journey look like after 
after you leave counseling, after you leave the counseling program? So when I left counseling, that was definitely my, like, I was, I was sliding down. That was like the beginning of my bottom. So I was in another, it was a shorter relationship. It was coming up on a year, but again, very toxic. And he had broke, actually, like, let's be real. I was drinking heavy at this point because I was so unhappy. And I, if you're ever in a relationship with someone who makes you feel worthless, like, I really do think I was drinking to numb that worthless feeling. Yeah. So, yeah, so after my once at Christmas, I just decided that was it. Like, I wasn't going to pursue it anymore. And after Christmas, I just kept drinking and drinking. And it's just, it was progressive until the fact that, like, I couldn't go to work a day without drinking before or... You know, I was at, at one point I was hospitalized, like all these things. Yeah. And it's like, you'd wake up the next day and you'd be like, okay, today I'm not, this is the day I'm not drinking today. And I actually had no control over it anymore. And at that moment, it was really scary. Like it was really scary. I can't even explain it because you want to quit so bad, but you can't. It took me a lot to get sober. It really did. I am so stubborn. <laughs> like, I I really thought, you know, like, I'm strong, independent woman. Like, I've been able to do so many things. Like, I could beat this. And I really, I really couldn't. So I never went to rehab or anything. I did make my mom drive me one day. But I, I honestly couldn't get out of the car. I was like, no, just the looks of the place. I was like, oh, no, I can't do it, Mom. She didn't say she supported me. Honestly, today, if I if I didn't have my mom, I don't think I would be sober. But, yeah, she supported me anytime I she'd pick me up in my drunken stupors. And it's crazy. She never, never judged. It's like she knew she knew the pain I was going through and. She knew, yeah, okay. I got sober, So went to AA. Yeah, what what is that, like, process? Like, when does it go from I can't stop drinking on my own to you stopping drinking? <laughs> like, what what is that? So I was hospitalized. Okay. I went to the hospital a couple times, so I was hospitalized in December. Is that for like alcohol and poisoning? And then I was still drinking. Like I only, not even just withdrawals. So oh, okay. like I got to a point where if I was a drink, yeah, I just had crazy withdrawals. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's and the I, craziest, It would scare me. That's the craziest thing that I learned in, in school is withdrawals from alcohol are the only withdrawals that can kill you. Like other ones can be bad. Like, yeah, heroin withdrawals and stuff can be super bad, but- Alcohol. Yeah, but we don't think of these things, right? Yeah, it's crazy. That's nuts. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to share my experience with withdrawals because I do, I'm glad I did go to the hospital, but I definitely, like, I lost. I could not walk. I couldn't use my arms. Like, I could barely see. Like, alcohol, it's crazy that it's poison and it's legal. (laughs) 
you know? Yeah. We can go to the corner store and get ourselves a bottle any day of the week. Yeah. <laughs> and it's promoted with billions of dollars. Yeah. Every TV show, yeah. someone enjoying a glass of wine. Because yeah, it just wouldn't be a TV show without it, right? You'll never notice alcohol more. But than yeah, no. So drink. I was... A... <laughs> Exactly. So yeah, but it took me at my sober date is May 18, 2020. So I mean, it took me from January to actually like really want it. Yeah. You know, like it's when you wanted it like that bad. I, I went to AA, but I mean, I was still half in the bag. I wanted to stop. It's just, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. But... Then I found Clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah. It's, then I uh, found Clubhouse. What a fun resource that was. Um, yeah. It's 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 weird. I mean, that was a weird thing for me because I didn't think I wanted any sort of community in that way. Uh, like you i'm stubborn uh very do it myself um and then all of a sudden there's all these people that were able to share a lot of uh the same shit that i had gone through um and then of course that bleeds into like imposter syndrome which is the weirdest place you can have imposter syndrome is in a sobriety room but believe me it's there um <laughs> it's crazy I believe that though. I believe it because I have a I have another friend who, who who faces the same. Yeah. But I also think that that too can be it's like a learning experience. Yeah. Like the why. I have a really good friend that every time I have something going on, they're like, "Okay, but what is this bothering? Why? What? What's deeper? What's under that? What's you know?" <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I am that person. <laughs> That's like one of the reasons <laughs> I'm getting into counseling. I love the why. I love figuring out whether it's like why do I hold my pen this way, or why why do I behave this way? Why do I respond to that person cutting me off so violently? Why do I, you know, I love yeah. I love digging into that stuff because sometimes when you dig in, like you stop doing it, right? Uh, or you're you're more aware of of your behavior. But uh, also sometimes you can just, there's a reason for it, right? Like I have, I have an autoimmune disease that has no known cause, no known cure. And uh, I hate that. I hate that fact about it. But then that's where I got into, sorry, I'm looking at my bookshelf. That's where I got into uh, the ACEs, like adverse childhood experiences and how I found out that like they can manifest into like autoimmune diseases later in life because that's how trauma just works in your body. And I mean circle mm -hmm. that right in with the body keeps the score but uh that's what fascinated mm -hmm. me and so like i was able to put a why to a possible like causation right and that's a there's a there's certain level of comfort to that even if it doesn't solve the problem to be able to find a source you know does that make sense my talking circles <laughs> no i think that makes a lot of sense and i think it's beautiful searching for the why but i think it's very difficult living in a world where the vast majority of the people don't give a fuck about the why. Yeah, yeah. And that's why counselors will always have jobs. <laughs> <laughs>
that's why it's fine that I won't actually start my career for another three years because I'll have jobs yeah. waiting for me. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, I think there's a positive shift in that environment, but um, yeah. Well, I want to I wanna branch into sobriety now and just kind of dig into what it's been like for you in that community and what role you've taken on in that community because that's that's another thing that I don't fully relate to is the amount of and it, people in AA like I know the twelfth step right is like you're giving back you're doing that service for other people but if you're not doing AA and you're just someone that doesn't drink or use or whatever that looks like for you where does that desire come from for people to just make that part of their identity and dedicate so much time to it because that's that's something i i struggle with with doing so like the service aspect yeah yeah i guess um yeah i think to be honest with you i don't do as much aa as i used to yeah uh, and i'm gonna accredit a lot of that to clubhouse because once i got on clubhouse I noticed that the like the conversations we were having on Clubhouse were a lot deeper than the conversations I was having in the AA rooms. Like, there's so much more than um, you know where we were and you know what happened, and that we're sober now. Like, you know what I mean? There's, you know, you don't hear things about like childhood trauma, or at least I never did in AA. Like you don't hear about codependency. You don't, and all of these topics, like when I got on Clubhouse, it's like, oh my God. And seriously thinking back now, I don't know if I would have stayed. I don't know if I would have stayed sober with AA alone. I really, now that I've incorporated Clubhouse and, you know, everything that I've been listening in on, I don't really, like I do love the, the program of AA. And I do think it is a program of living because basically it's just, you know, it's, it's being good people and just making sure you're not being a piece of shit, you know, and being, holding yourself accountable really. Um, But as far as the service thing goes, it's like, you have to think of where you were when you were in the dark. Right. I know when I got sober, I didn't really have much of a community. Yeah, me either. I didn't. Other than the people that I would find in the AA rooms, you know, and these weren't even close people, but the friends that I had, you know, where were they? Yeah. So it's like a really, so I think for my service thing, I think of myself sitting there in the darkness. So when people reach out, I do find people reach out to me. I just take the time to be that good person. I go out of my way to give my phone number to people. Um, you know, call me anytime, text me anytime. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. No, I, I think that's service. Yeah. I, and I think that's great. And I think that's uh, necessary. And I, I think a lot of people that might be listening to this are probably super thankful that you have been that person. Um, so that's, that's great. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I like that you called out all the different stuff that's discussed in there too, because that's, I think, 
one of the biggest things that I just, you know, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but <laughs> the, one of the things that I uh, do not like about when you're in a, an environment of, of sober people and, uh, I've never been to AA, so I don't, I can't relate to that, but like in the clubhouse rooms and stuff like that, uh, is when people are just kind of broad and very clearly have not addressed the like underlying stuff, right? Like, <laughs> Uh, you know, you, you have to do more than just quit drinking. <laughs> there's, there's a reason you got to that point to begin with. And there's so many people that I was talking to on a daily basis, uh, that even though like some topics I came up with, with them in mind, I was like, this is going to be the one it's going to break them open. And then, uh, then same shit, same shit. And, and it, it bummed me out and I was like, it felt, it felt pointless at some time uh, sometimes that like those same people were Mm -mm. coming in there you can't look at it like that i know because i feel that sobriety is it's honestly the hardest thing we'll ever do right it's written everywhere getting sober is hard and i feel like we have to like we put expectations on people right yeah yeah we expect people to have good hearts and it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. But I just think that for me, I just keep reminding, like, I don't want my heart to turn cold and hard like the rest of the world's. Well, yeah. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think it's, it's this or that. I think the, there's a, a world of gray area in there. Um, that, mm-hmm. that we all live in but um i wanted to ask you about what you are doing now and how you decided to to do that as far as your your business and that the road that's been the last six months so yeah november 5th i decided to quit my job three months <laughs> hasn't been long at all four months um, but yeah, four months. Yeah. Um, so my basement was never finished. So I went through all of that. I did all the waterproofing. It's funny though, because you're redoing your basement at yeah, the same time. You're looking at you, it behind me. <laughs> yeah, it's looking good. Um, so yeah, I just refinished the basement. To be honest with you, I always used to like say I wanted to do a daycare, a childcare service. Yeah. And I was just at a situation. I've been sober and I really thought working with my family, like I really thought going to work every day wasn't affecting me to work in a toxic environment, but it really was like, it didn't matter how many meetings, how much reading I was doing, going to work in a toxic place every day was depleting my bank times 20,000. Like I couldn't keep the bank full. So yeah, I just, I honestly, it was all really quick one weekend and I just quit. I said, screw it. And every day I did something to get me closer to opening a daycare. So I'm three weeks in now. This is my third week. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's, it's good. I love it. I love working from home. It obviously takes a lot of patience, Yeah, <laughs> but it, it is also so rewarding. Yeah, It's so rewarding. The kids are so cute and after dealing with adults for a good 
portion, portion of my life, Justin. Yeah, yeah. I don't think kids are that bad. <laughs> what a fantastic way to put that. Yes. Um, yeah, and I, I like the recognition of of going back to work with your family is just probably not the best thing for you because. Yeah, it's like exactly when I was drinking, right? Like yeah. when I was drinking, I didn't, I didn't think it affected me. Yeah. But now that I'm sober and like I'm going to work every day and I'm doing everything else right, but I'm still miserable because I'm working there. Yeah, it's like you're essentially going back to the bar. You're not drinking, but you're just hanging mm-hmm. out at the bar. Like that's not gonna go well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Yeah, I love the little videos you post and. And I'm, uh, cause I, of all the conversations we've had, I had no idea that that was something you were even interested in. And then all of a sudden it was like building a daycare <laughs> and it's like, what, what's happening? Um, and that's great. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's, it's super rewarding. Probably as you mentioned, right at the top of this, super exhausting. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so I, I, I earn my sleep. I definitely earn my sleep now. <laughs> That's good. Um, that I don't know if I have anything else. I think that brings us current. Is there anything I skipped over you wanted to discuss more? No, not really. I think we did pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Mm-hmm. The old, old Jenna Justin yeah. team, you know, mostly you, but <laughs> yeah, we are good. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? All right. You just listened to my interview with Jenna Malian. I was so pumped to sit down with her. I mentioned this at the beginning, and now I'm going to really dive into it. Like, we have never seen each other while talking. You know, it's, and that's, that's a crazy relationship to have. But, you know, the more I think about it, I think about all these people at work, right? You have these phone relationships with. But even then, especially the last couple of years, you, you meet these people via Zoom at least. And, you know, I know what Jenna looks like because social media and Instagram and everything, but uh, we never like had a conversation where we could each see each other's lips move and our mannerisms and all that stuff. So that was really exciting. And, and I loved finding out so much about Jenna's life. And I, I think there's a lot of places to to dive in deeper there. Right. And there's a lot of things that are very relatable to myself and um, probably a lot of listeners. And, you know, we touched on sobriety for a little while there at the end, I think the last like 10, 15 minutes. And that's because that's, you know, that's the world we met in. And I think if that, if that little section can help you know Jenna better or help you help yourself, I'm super happy that it's there. I want to thank all my Patreons. Um, You guys continue to make this show my favorite thing in the world. I'm talking to, I'm going to do the whole list. I'm talking to Mandy and Kara and Andy and Jenny and Erica and Dustin and Katie and Michelle. Uh, There's a handful of you that have been there since the beginning of Patreon launch, like which is almost a year ago. Maybe I'll do a year celebration, get you something special. Uh, you guys can also join Patreon by going to patreon.com slash friendrequestpod. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash friendrequestpod. It's $1.09. It goes to me to help pay for the hosting and everything else that I do for this podcast. Um, so I really, really deeply appreciate 
all of the help you guys offer. And I also want to say special thanks to Talia Dalton, who does our theme song. She is amazing. Check her out at Talia Dalton Music. And that's all I got, guys. Have a great week. We're approaching episode 100, which blows my mind. And I'll talk to you guys later. Okay, bye.